over the last few weeks, I've really been enjoying sharing some messages with you and sharing some things with you about the trip we made a few uh, weeks back. And one of the things I've done is I've shown you some pictures of places we've been. Last week, we looked together at a baptism at the Jordan River. This week, there are no pictures. And that's for a very special reason, because we're being a little extra careful this week, kind of the way we're careful about our missionaries who are serving God in, in some difficult places. And the reason that I'm not showing any pictures today is because I want to talk to you just a few minutes about what we did on the Sunday when we were away, which was the 1st of January, New Year's Day. We knew going away that we were going to be attending church somewhere while we were away. We already knew that uh, Phil Barfoot, our organizer, had arranged for us to, to worship in a church. But as time got closer, it began to change. And Phil called me one day and he said, listen, this church that we're going to wants you to bring greetings while you're there from America. And I said, well, I'd be more than glad to do that. So I was going to bring greetings and uh, Joe was going to sing a song and that was kind of what we were going to do. And and then as it got a little closer, he said, well, we would like you to take about five minutes and talk to our church about who you are and what God's done. And then as we got really close, I got a, a third call, and Phil said, the church, Baraka Presbyterian Church, has asked if you will preach the message that day and if Joe will lead the worship. So they invited us to come and to lead worship. Now understand, that meant I got to spend New Year's Day, which in the Holy Land is the middle of their Christmas celebration because it goes on for another week yet before they're done celebrating the birth of Christ. I got to spend New Year's Day preaching to Baraka Presbyterian Church which is a church that is located in the center of Bethlehem itself. And I got to preach to these Christian believers. It was one of the most humbling experiences of my life to be asked to preach and to preach in that location, to be able to preach in the town where Jesus was born. Once I got that invitation, I began to really think and pray about, so what do you say to these fellow believers that you're going to be going to see? Because they're in a difficult situation. Baraka Presbyterian is not a large church because one of the things that's been happening in that part of the world is believers have been leaving and going to other places because it's becoming more and more difficult and dangerous to be a Christian believer in that place. So I began to think about who are these people that I'm going to be preaching to. And one of the things I discovered is that Bethlehem is not in Israel, it's in Palestine. It's part of the Palestinian territory. And so we're preaching to, I was going to be preaching to Palestinian folks who knew that they were always in conflict with what was going on with the larger nation around them, the nation of Israel. But not only that, I was going to be preaching to people who experienced a great deal of rejection because they were Christians in the middle of an area that is far and away predominantly Muslim in their religious orientation. So, 
Palestinians in the midst of Israel, Christians in the midst of Muslims. And then this particular church is a church that is evangelical when the overwhelming number of Christians who are present in that part of the world are orthodox. And the orthodox people consider them outcast. I don't want to know you. I won't, don't want to be around you. You just need to go away. And I'm thinking, so what is the message that you share with these people? And I realized, number one, that they were there in the Christmas season. And one of the most tragic verses in the Bible is regards the birth of Christ. It's John chapter 1, verse 11. That's where the Bible says, He came unto his own, and his own received him not. That Jesus came to be born in that very place where I was going to be preaching and even then, people turned away from him. So, what do you preach to evangelical believers who find that the Orthodox Church doesn't want them and the Muslim population doesn't want them and they are the smaller population in the midst of other people who are constantly in tension with them. And I thought about the fact that there are a lot of us that may have that same feeling. Oh, we don't go through that feeling of recognizing we are a very small minority, but we do recognize that there are people who all the time are feeling like you're on the outside looking in. It may be that you feel like you're on the outside looking in because of who you are as a believer. It may be that you feel as though you're on the outside looking in because there's tension within your family. You may feel as though you're on the outside looking in because you're just one of those folks that other people doesn't, don't, do not want to accept. It's hard when you're someone who is on the outside looking in. When you're the one that other people are saying, you know, I just don't want anything to do with you because of who you are or because of what you believe or because you're not like I am. You're just different. And thinking about that, my mind went back to Acts chapter 8 and to the man in the Bible that I think more than anybody exemplifies what it means to be on the outside looking in. It's the story of the Ethiopian eunuch. We just read a part of that story together this morning. Because here's a man who truly wanted to worship God, truly wanted to be on the inside of God's people, and discovered that he was one who was going to be on the outside looking in. See, the Ethiopian eunuch was a different kind of man. He was a man of power and influence in his own world. The Bible says he was the chief treasurer of Queen Candace of Ethiopia. He was a man who was used to having a word that was respected and obeyed wherever he was and whatever he was doing. As long as he was at home in the midst of his own people, in the midst of his own culture, everybody cared what this man thought. 
But when he got to Jerusalem, he discovered something different. He discovered, now I'm in a place and nobody knows me and nobody wants me and everybody wants me to just go away because I don't fit into their world. But the Lord had a plan for transforming that outsider into an insider where the kingdom of God is concerned. Here's the thing that's interesting about the Ethiopian eunuch. The Bible does not tell us. Nobody really knows how he first heard about the Lord. After all, his home was far away from Israel. He had no idea what it meant to be a Jew or what it meant to go to the temple or what it meant to read the Word of God. He really didn't know anything except somewhere, somewhere, somewhere along the way, somebody had told him about the one true God. This is all we know is that however he heard the Word and whatever people told him in his heart, he believed. When he heard the story about uh, Jesus, about the one true God, then he began to realize something inside of him said, that's it, that's true, that's exactly right. This is what I believe. This is the one I've been searching for. And he couldn't wait to go and worship this God that he'd heard about because deep inside he chose to place his faith in the Lord. So he made his way to Jerusalem and he made his way for one purpose. He came there to worship God. He assumed that when he arrived at Jerusalem, at the city that was known as the center of worship of this one true God, that he could enter into the temple, he could join God's people, he could lift his voice with everybody else, and he could be a part of what God was doing in that place. He wanted to bring sacrifices to the temple. He wanted to learn more about the Lord. It was not until he arrived that he discovered the temple was going to be closed to him. He was not welcomed and he was not allowed in the temple of God's people. Now understand, within the temple complex, there were places where only certain people were allowed to go and many of you know exactly the way the temple was laid out. There was the Holy of Holies and only the high priest could go there and then only one day a year on the Day of Atonement. And then there was the holy place and this was the place where only the priests were allowed to go and then outside of that were different courts where different people were allowed to go. There was the court of the men closest to the holy place. There was the court of women that was outside the court of the men, and there the women and the children were allowed to go and worship God. And then on the outskirts of the temple, in that place where later Jesus would react against the money changers, on the very outside was a place called the court of the nations. And this was a place where God-fearers and proselytes were allowed to come even though they were not of Jewish heritage they were allowed to come and worship in the court of the nations when the unit got there and he heard how things worked he thought well that's okay as long as I can be there as long as I can worship God and then he discovered something he discovered that those who had physical impairments were not allowed to go into the into the temple at all because he was a eunuch, 
the place was closed to him completely. Nobody who had any kind of physical imperfection was allowed to go into the temple. They were considered unclean. No blind, no lame, no deaf. Their imperfections were considered to be evidence that there was some kind of sin that was going on and they didn't need to be a part of that holy place where God's people gathered. Not only that, the temple leaders believed it was impossible for someone like this Ethiopian eunuch to know the Lord. He was a Gentile. He was unclean. He was not among the chosen people. He was told, you have come all this way, but you have come all this way for nothing. There's no place for you among the people of God. He just needed to turn around and go home and accept not only that he was not allowed in that place, but this is what he was told. God does not want somebody like you. God is not interested in you worshiping him. You just need to go away. When we first encounter the Ethiopian eunuch uh, in the desert, he's on his chariot and he's on his way back home. You can only imagine how much of a turmoil his heart was in. There must have been anger at those people who had so arrogantly turned him away from the place he'd come to worship. There must have been sorrow that there seemed to be no way he could ever worship the God he was so hungry to know. There must have been bitterness. Why would God let him come so far and then turn him away? If I were the Ethiopian eunuch, maybe if you were in his place, we might say something like this. You know what? I'm just going to go back home. I'm going to go to my old life. I'm going to forget all about this stuff and put it aside. But deep in his heart, he knew, I can't do that. I've learned too much. I've recognized this is the God I want to serve. I can't go back to the man I used to be. Before he left Jerusalem, he acquired some scripture scrolls. He was thinking to himself, maybe I can learn how to follow God all by myself. Maybe if I can just get some of these books of the prophets, then I can begin to discover for myself what it means to follow God. But he bought some scrolls from the book of Isaiah. Now, I'm pretty sure if anybody said to you and me, you know, you've never read the Bible before and you're trying to figure out what it means. If I were you, I would start at Isaiah. That probably wouldn't work very well, would it? And that's exactly what he was finding as he was reading these scrolls that he had purchased and trying to figure it all out. None of it made any sense to him. He was trying his best to figure out what was going on. The more he read, the less he understood. How could he have known God was leading him into an encounter that was going to change eternity. You see, while the Ethiopian eunuch is getting in his chariot and he's beginning that long journey back toward home, the Holy Spirit's at work, not in his life, but in the life of the evangelist Philip. 
And the Holy Spirit is speaking to Philip, and he is saying, listen, you need to go. You need to go to the road that leads to Gaza, and you just need to wait by the side of the road. Maybe Philip said to him, Lord, why do you need me to go there? It doesn't matter. Just go. What's going to happen when I get there? You don't need to ask. Just go. Lord, what is this all about? Don't worry about that. All you know is I'm telling you to go, so you better go. And Philip, to his credit, said, you know what? If this is what God wants me to do, this is what I'm going to do. And he found himself on the road to Gaza. When he saw the man coming in his chariot, he saw he was reading something to himself, reading aloud, and he began to listen to what was going on, and he heard him reading, and Philip knew this is God at work. He began to pay attention. This is what the man was reading. He was led as a sheep to the slaughter, as a lamb before its shearer is silent. He opened not his mouth. In his humiliation, his justice was taken away. And who will declare his generation? For his life is taken from the earth. Philip cried out to the man in the chariot, and he asked a simple question. Do you even understand what you're reading and he got a simple response. How am I supposed to know if somebody doesn't explain it to me? I went all the way to Jerusalem. I thought somebody would tell me, and instead they told me, go home. How am I ever going to know what God is trying to say to an outsider like me? Philip came into the chariot. He began to explain to the Ethiopian eunuch, what, what is going on? And through Philip, God revealed his love for a man who thought he was going to always be on the outside looking in. This is what the Bible says. It says, then Philip opened his mouth and beginning at this scripture, preach Jesus to him. Understand what he's doing. He didn't say to the Ethiopian eunuch, take that scroll and set it aside and let me just tell you something else you need to know. Instead, he took that passage, that place, that portion of Scripture and began to reveal Jesus and his love. You see, it's no accident that this Scripture it's where he began. Listen to what happened over the next few minutes as these two men talked together. You see, the Lord was revealing what it means to follow Christ. Beginning in that place. Let me show you what I mean. In Isaiah 53, the Bible reveals Jesus as the perfect sacrifice. And so Philip explained to this Ethiopian eunuch, what he had just been reading. Isaiah 53, the Bible says, He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquity. The chastisement for our peace was upon him. And by his stripes, we are healed. What was he sharing with this Ethiopian eunuch? Your sin can't keep you on the outside looking in. Jesus has paid the price. He's taken your judgment. And he did that to open up a way back to God. 
But Philip wasn't through yet. The next chapter, Isaiah 54, describes God's compassion. Do not fear, for you will not be ashamed, neither be disgraced, for you will not be put to shame. For the mountains shall depart, and the hills be removed, but my kindness shall not depart from you, nor shall my covenant of peace be removed, says the Lord, who has mercy on you. And Philip began to explain to this Ethiopian eunuch that God's nature is grace. God's nature is not judgment and casting aside. God's nature is grace and making a way back to himself. And his mercy has the power to remove the shame of your past. And his loving kindness is there for whoever calls on his name. Philip continued to read on, and they got to the next chapter, Isaiah 55, and it offered this compelling invitation. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord, for he shall have mercy on him. And to our God, for he will abundantly pardon there's not a clearer description of repentance in the Bible than this passage. If you turn away from sin and turn back to the Lord, you will find he is willing and waiting to receive you, no matter who you are. I think it's an interesting thing that in Isaiah 55, the Bible doesn't say anything about outsiders and insiders. It doesn't talk about chosen and unchosen. What does it say? It puts us all in the same bucket. It says, let the wicked forsake his way. In other words, the only people who can't come are the people who are not willing to admit they need what only the Lord can give. What Philip was offering was a clear description of the gospel. Jesus, the perfect sacrifice. Jesus, the author of grace. Jesus, who died and rose again to open the door to eternal life. And all you have to do is repent and return. Can you imagine how stirred this man's heart was as he heard the description of what he had experienced so far away in his home? And all of a sudden, this picture is being painted, and all of a sudden, he's recognizing the grace and the power of God, and he's recognizing that the Lord is extending his forgiveness, his mercy, his grace on whoever believes. But it was the next chapter, Isaiah 56, that sealed the deal for this man. Listen to what the Bible says. Do not let the son of the foreigner who has joined himself to the Lord speak, saying, The Lord has utterly separated me from his people. Nor let the eunuch say, Here I am, a dry tree. For thus says the Lord, to the eunuchs who keep my Sabbaths and choose what pleases me and hold fast my covenant, even to them I will give in my house and within my walls a place and a name better than that of sons and daughters, 
I will give them an everlasting name that shall not be shut off. I think that man must have thought, he just called my name. He said, this is about me. In God's eyes, he was not an outsider. He had a home. And the gospel was for him as much as for anyone who believes. There was a place for him if he was willing to receive it. I believe it was at that exact moment that water came into sight. And the Ethiopian eunuch asked the most important question of his life. So what prevents me from being baptized? What holds me back from making the decision right here, right now, to follow Christ? And Philip's answer was instant. If you believe with all your heart, you may. You may. And the man who had been turned away from the old way discovered he could have a place in the new way, the way of trust in Jesus Christ. And now he had a decision to make. So what was he going to do with the gospel? And the answer was immediate. I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. I was sharing with you last Sunday about that experience of the Jordan River where all of a sudden this group of pilgrims from Monterey, Mexico came to Joe and I asking if we could baptize them along with our own group. And that was the confession that each of them made. Lord, I recognize my sin. I realize Jesus died for me. I believe in Jesus Christ with all my heart. And they went into the water and in a moment his life and eternity were forever transformed. The one who had been on the outside looking in, the one who had been told, you don't belong here, you don't belong here, you don't belong here, was suddenly told, there's a place for you, and it's right in the kingdom. He heard the gospel, and so do we. Jesus Christ is always calling out, to people who feel like they're on the outside looking in, to those who struggle with real guilt, to those who need the grace that only Jesus can give, to those whose lives are empty and whose lives are full of broken pieces. And his invitation goes out to everybody from everywhere all the time, to those who are certain they've been rejected, to those who are convinced they don't deserve a second chance, to those who believe God has given up on me, the invitation still comes. It's never too late. You've never failed too much. There's no such thing as being broken beyond repair. The message I had to share with those folks in Bethlehem it's the same message I have to share with every one of you today. There's nobody who cannot be saved by the blood of the cross. There's nobody who cannot find sufficient grace 
in his sacrifice. And that man's life was changed for eternity. And that's the lesson we learn from the eunuch, but we're not done yet. There's also a lesson we need to learn from Philip the evangelist. Because God calls us as believers to live with that same sort of Philip spirit. When it comes to our faith, we make a basic choice. Am I going to listen to the Lord or am I not going to listen to the Lord? Philip had that choice that he faced long ago. Are you willing to stand and do what God tells you to do? Are you going to resist God and say, that doesn't make sense. You're not explaining enough. Sometimes we just need to listen to the Lord. That's what put Philip on the road to Gaza. It's what brought Jeff Stith to serve our church. When you live with the Philip spirit, there are two things that should always captivate your attention. The Holy Spirit and the people around you. That's really what you need to be paying attention to. It's what we all need to be paying attention to. What is God telling me? And how does it apply to the lives of the people I'm encountering on this day? God is calling us all to be people who explain and invite and attract other people to the Lord. God is calling us to be the ones who say, his hands are extended. His grace is free. All you have to do is trust him. God is telling us that we should never be those kinds of people who say to anybody, you're on the outside of God's love. His cross is not sufficient for your sin. Instead, we invite them in. This past week, I spent a few days at an IMB trustees meeting in Richmond. And along the way, I got to sit at the table one day with Bryant Wright, the president of Sin Relief. And he was just kind of sharing. And this is one of the things he said. And I just thought this was a compelling statement. He said, if we are Christians, then all of us are witnesses. All we decide is whether we'll be a good witness or a sorry witness. Well, that kind of stabbed me in the heart. I don't know about you. I don't get to decide whether I'm a witness or not. Not if I name the name of Jesus. All I have to do is decide whether I'm going to be good or sorry at it. God calls us to live with a Philip spirit and share the love of Jesus. Here's the message, the witness the Bible has given us. We look at the people around us those who may feel as though they're on the outside looking in, and we simply say to them, you can always come to Jesus. There's nobody he doesn't love. There's no soul he will not save. His mercy is altogether sufficient. And if you believe with all your heart, you will be saved. And so I say to you this morning, the same Lord who welcomed the Ethiopian eunuch, 
the same Lord who loves those folks in Baraka Presbyterian Church in the midst of a world around them that says we don't really want you is that there's a Lord who welcomes you and if you trust him he'll save you no exceptions God calls us to know him because he loves us so that's the message I shared in Bethlehem but it's also the message I've shared this morning and it's a message to you personally you may be here you've never trusted Jesus Christ you've been in church you've heard the truth the truth you recognize that it is real but there's just never been that time when you made the decision with all your heart I believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. So maybe today is the day when you need to trust Christ as your Savior. And in a minute, as we sing our invitation hymn, I'll be here at the front. Dr. Hutchins will be here at the front. We'll be glad to greet you and introduce you to the Savior who can change your life for eternity. Or maybe you're here and God is calling you to be part of what he's doing at First Baptist Church. And you just need to plant your membership right here in this place. Or maybe there's another decision that you need to make. As we stand and as we sing, as God speaks to your heart, you come. Let's stand together. Let's sing. Should be seated again for just a moment. Y'all come over here in the center. 
Today is a very special day as Jeff and Christy Stith have come. Jeff coming to become our new minister of music and to lead us in our worship as we continue to follow him, become part of our ministry staff and to reach out to our folks and Christy coming to be a, a very special part of our church fellowship as well. But they not only come to serve, they also come to join the family. And so today they come bringing their membership to First Baptist Church from Sister Church right here in the area so that they can serve the Lord as part of us. And if you want to let them know how welcome they are and how glad you are that God has brought them to this place, you let them know by saying amen. amen. And that's welcome. And we're just so glad that y'all are going to be here for a long time to come. God bless you. And you're going to want to be sure and let them know how glad you are that they've come. I'm going to invite them in a minute. Judith, if you'll help them, we'll work on their membership card in a minute. I know how to find Jeff. Uh, Judith, if you'll help them kind of go to the front so as we leave today, you can welcome them in a very official way as part of our church. We'll just be so glad. So I guess that means, Nathan, you get to lead the last song again. That's good. All right, let's stand together. Let's have our closing prayer, and then we'll sing our final song. Then you go by and let the stiffs know how glad you are that they are part of our fellowship and that you're going to be praying as he begins his ministry in the midst of us. Father, we do thank you that you're a God who loves us. Thank you, Lord, that in the grace of Jesus Christ and under the blood of the cross, there are no outsiders. There are only those who are invited to come and those who have come. So, Lord, help us as we live as witnesses that, Lord, you might bless us in a powerful way. Father, we do thank you for sending Jeff Stith to become part of our fellowship. We know, Lord, that our search committee prayed diligently and our church is affirmed and our choir is excited. So, Lord, bless him as he ministers in our midst that Jesus might be glorified. And we pray in his name. Amen. Praise God from all the blessings.